Jesus taught his disciples to pray with kingdom priority and in a way that aligns with the will of God. The phrase, thy will be done, speaks of the rule of God's law. If Jesus reigns but does not rule in our lives, he's sort of like the King of England who sits on a throne but possesses no parliamentary authority. The King of England might accept such a role, but King Jesus expects to reign and rule in our lives, exercising his supreme will and authority. Jesus said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so, all hail King Jesus. That idea could revolutionize most of the prayers I hear and voice myself. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. The Two Wills of God on today's Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Hi, my name is Brian, so glad to have you with us. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't simply force us to obey Him? The short answer is that He created us with a free will. This leads us right back to the two wills of God, His decreed will and His desired will. Ron unpacks these two ideas next as he moves ahead in his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Stay with us now or stop by somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Download or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Priority. The not yet aspects of the kingdom speak of the glorious day in Bible prophecy we refer to as the second coming of Christ, where he comes back to this earth. And as I understand the flow of Bible prophecy, following the rapture of the church, seven years of tribulation, culminating in the battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and what follows that is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, where our King, who has set up residency in our hearts, now comes and establishes the government of Christ on this earth for a thousand years, the Bible says. And, and, and power shifts from places like Washington, D.C. to Jerusalem, and literally to the throne of David, that all the prophecies said Messiah will sit on that throne. But the now aspect of the kingdom is, does he sit on the throne of your heart? Is he King Jesus in your life today? While imprisoned on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, uh, the Apostle John received um, the revelation of Jesus Christ. He received it. He recorded it. It's the last book of the Bible. Revelation 11 and verse 15 says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever. That's the kingdom not yet. That's the kingdom that we long for. That's the kingdom that John prayed for at the end of the revelation of Jesus Christ when he prayed, Even so come, Lord Jesus. 
And no wonder again that Jesus said to uh, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> if it were, I'd have an army that, that overthrows you. But he went to the cross um, in, in, in part as part of the inauguration of that kingdom. Are you with me so far? We're talking about your kingdom come speaks of the, the reign of God and the reign of Christ in our hearts and the future reign of Christ on David's throne. Then there's that phrase, your will be done. I think this speaks of the rule of God's law because it's one thing to reign, to sit on a throne. It's another thing to have the authority to rule. If Jesus reigns in our lives but does not rule, he's kind of like the king of England. Catherine and I and the kids were in England earlier this year, maybe last year, and uh, you know, visited London and the British monarchy, loved the history there, even the drama there uh, through all the monarchies and, and all of that. Um, but do you know that the King of England, and when we were there, it was the Queen of England, whatever the monarchy, monarch is at the time, they sit on a throne, but they have no authority in a parliamentary or legislative sense. All they can do is suggest. All they can do is you know, sit down with the prime minister and say, you know, have you thought about this? But no authority otherwise. I suppose that works for the king of England, but it doesn't work for King Jesus. If he reigns, he also rules. And it's the rule of God's law, his commands. Thy will be done. Now, when we talk about the will of God, and this is a question that, you know, people often ask pastors like myself, you know, about the will of God. Usually it's a very, you know, personal question. What is God's will for my life? Before you ever get to that, you need to understand how the will of God is spoken of in Scripture in at least two categories. Starting with the category we call the decreed will of God, which refers to the absolute and sovereign rule of God over all things his decreed will. According to Ephesians 1 and verse 11, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, whatever God decrees happens. And it happens absolutely. It happens uh, instantly. It happens infallibly. God decreed it. For example, um, when he uh, spoke uh, the worlds into existence, he decreed it. And that explosive thing that happened in Genesis chapter 1 when he spoke the worlds into existence and, and, and those six days of creation there, uh, what, what an incredible passage of Scripture. Um, because God is sovereign, he has the sole right to exercise his ruling power over his creation. Okay, this, this is what we mean by his decreed will. However... He created us in his image, right? And he created us with free will, which leads us to a second category we got to understand, which I think is in view when Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done. We call this God's desired will. His desired will refers to all that he, well, desires or wishes or expects of us human beings. A couple of examples from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 and chapter 5. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. And what follows is God's desire for us to live sexually pure lives. 
A chapter later, this is the will of God that you rejoice and give thanks in all things. It's his desired will. But anybody would look around our world, not to mention the body of Christ, and say, not everybody's living a sexually pure life. Not everybody is giving thanks in all things. It's his desired will. Uh, the Ten Commandments is another example of his desired will. It reflects his moral standards. But everybody knows. In fact, the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments is to show how much we have failed and fallen short of the glory of God. Acts chapter 17 and 2 Peter chapter 3 tell us that God desires, He wishes that everybody would come to faith in Christ everywhere in every place of the world and repent. Well, that doesn't happen, right? Uh, he desires it. And we are a part of you know, his evangelistic work, but not everybody comes to faith. And in general, the desired will of God encompasses every command, every imperative we read about in his holy word. Now, though God is all-powerful and sovereign and able to decree anything, he leaves room for faith and for the free exercise of human will by not turning his desired will into his decreed will. Are you still with me? He may have a desired will, but he chooses not to decree by sovereign rule that everybody believes in him. That would turn us into robots. Okay, everybody, keep every one of the commandments. No, that would turn us into robots. Programmed to say and do and act exactly what the sovereign tells us to do. No, he created us with free will. And even though it's his deepest desire for us to be in relationship with him, he stops short of decreeing that. And so when we pray, thy will be done, we don't have to pray that his decreed will be done. It's decreed. What we're praying is that, that God will use whatever means, short of a divine decree, to align the heart of every single person on earth to obey his desired will, starting with us. Thy will be done. Starting with me, Lord, do whatever it takes, short of decreeing it. Do everything that it takes to turn my desires toward your desires and make your desired will a reality in my life. That makes the purpose of prayer to align our will to God's not for us to try to bend his to ours. This is not my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus modeled this alignment of wills, did he not, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said to the Father, not my will, but thine be done. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you've never visited our website, somethinggoodradio.org, I encourage you to stop by. There you'll find our streaming platform for the entire media ministry. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. So let me ask you, do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. 
and he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, does God answer prayer? That's the Jesus way to pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50 or a four-pack for $100. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Priority. Here once again is Dr. Ron Jones. Still with me? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Some dense theology we have to work our way through. Uh, The kingdom of God alone kind of stretches our, our finite minds. But what do we do with all of this? What, what, what exactly are we praying and how do we pray when we, we come to this part of the prayer? And remember, again, these are training wheels. These, these are prayer training wheels designed to help us to eventually learn how to balance our conversations with God so we are, we are entering into his presence with at least three things in mind. We pray first submissively. Uh, we yield our priorities to God's. In fact, we do a radical and revolutionary inventory of what's most important to us. And be honest with yourself. Look inside your checkbook, look at your schedule, look at everything you're doing in life. What is is the most important thing you do? Is it the kingdom of God? Is that your first thought in the morning? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these things you worry about, Jesus will take care of. But if all the things you worry about, just to reverse it, are your priorities, guess what? You're kind of on your own, and I'm on my own. You put his kingdom first. You make that the priority of your life. He takes care of the rest of the business. As we yield our priorities to God, we simultaneously tear down our own castles and kingdoms that we're building. We dethrone self. Oh, that's that's tough. Self and self-indulgence, and we enthrone King Jesus. Not on the love seat, but on the single seat throne. So we pray submissively. That's what this part of the prayer is inviting us to do, to submit our priorities to God's and to align ourselves to heaven's business. Secondly, we pray evangelistically. Uh, We do that by calling upon King Jesus to take up residency in the lives of of people who place their faith alone in Him. Your kingdom come is is about the kingdom now and the kingdom that He is building. And He invites us as believers in Jesus Christ to build with Him is a soul-winning kingdom. We're, We're calling the kingdom of God to come and take up residency in the, the, the hearts of all lost souls, starting with us, just as it did in us. It has in view the salvation of lost souls and people who find their way home to Jesus. Are we praying evangelistically? 
When was the last time you prayed for your neighbor, your coworker, uh, your friend, your family member, uh, with, a, with a, a burden on your heart for lost souls? And then finally, we pray expectantly. Oh yeah, this is the kingdom not yet, uh, meaning we entreat heaven with the long view of Bible prophecy in mind, waiting in faith for the day when Jesus Christ returns to establish his earthly kingdom for 1,000 years. And when he does, he will literally, literally sit on David's throne in Jerusalem. And the power centers of the world will shift in that direction. And he will reign and rule on this earth in perfect peace and righteousness and justice and mercy and holiness. His divine law will produce the ideal and orderly society that we all long for and that will make the redeemed citizens of this earth rejoice. I think this is part of what John envisioned when he prayed at the end of the Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus. Oh, how we long for that. The disciples long for it. They wanted to know, is this the time for the kingdom? Listen, this, this sounds pretty uh, radical, doesn't it? This is not some now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. This isn't even uh, the serenity prayer. There ain't nothing, nothing serene about this prayer. It's revolutionary. It's radical. It calls for the reprioritization of our lives, not to mention our prayer life, so that heaven's business is our priority. It's our priority as a church, made up of individuals who have made it their priority as well. I remember years ago when I came here to serve as a new lead pastor and one of the things we did, I think, in the first year was kind of look at our mission, our vision, and um, uh, those kinds of statements. We, we uh, tweaked our mission statement. And if you are a member of the church, you've been here for any length of time, uh, hopefully if you've even been here a short time, you, you know that our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ who go and make disciples, directly related to the Great Commission, which Jesus began by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. And we said, you know, the one thing Jesus told us to do as King Jesus was to go and make disciples. That's our priority. That's our mission. But you'd be surprised. You go just do a little internet search on church mission statements. You'd be surprised. They're all over the map. I've completely lost the sense of heaven's business, heaven's priority. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And that in an evangelistic sense, in a sense of expectation prophetically, and submitting ourselves to, to him and him alone. Again, this is not a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. It, it demands of us the reordering of our priorities as a church family and as individuals. And when you have made that shift in your priorities, and you've adopted a new set of kingdom priorities. Then you can go back to uh, Mr. Covey's good advice. Remember what he said? It's not about prioritizing your schedule. It's about scheduling your priorities. And the first thing you need to schedule is time in prayer. With your priorities aligned to God's priorities. And when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then and only then are we ready to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Our needs, physical and otherwise, must follow the prioritization of the kingdom of God. Later in this series, we're going to talk about keys to answered prayer. And one is, you pray according to the will of God. If it's according to the will of God, either decreed or desired, guess what? You know, um, all, all of heaven lines up to answer that prayer. And it begins by praying, your kingdom come, not mine. Thy will be done, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven not in heaven as it is in my little puny corner of the earth where I'm building my name, my kingdom, and my will. It's a radical reorientation of our, of our priorities and how we think about uh, this sometimes fuzzy notion of the kingdom of God. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Priority. And Dr. Ron Jones is here with me now. Ron, I'm fascinated by what you said about the kingdom of God being both now and not yet. To me, it seems to be a topic worth exploring further, or at the very least, emphasizing one more time before we wrap up today's broadcast. You know, Brian, the concept is a little bit like, not exactly like, but a little bit like how salvation came to men like Abraham, uh, Moses, King David, and everyone else in the Old Testament. Even though Jesus had not yet come and completed his necessary work on the cross, uh, people in the Old Testament were saved by faith in his future coming and in his future work. Uh, they were saved now, even though the actual arrival of Jesus was not yet. Now, the late George Eldon Ladd used the phrase already but not yet. Uh, he, he said the early church found itself living in a tension between realization and expectation, between already and not yet. Uh, the age of fulfillment has come, he said, but the day of consummation stands yet in the future. Uh, so when we say thy kingdom come, we're asking that Jesus rule in the hearts of people all over the world in the short term, and to come once and for all to establish his eternal kingdom in the future. We're asking for both the now and the not yet. But here's one of the most critical parts of this idea, Brian. We cannot separate kingdom from Christ. And this is the most beautiful part of the whole thing, at least to me. The kingdom of God is a person, not a place. Uh, we see it all throughout Scripture, but it is perhaps most noticed in the next to last verse in the Bible, John says, even so come Lord Jesus. But Jesus is the kingdom. He is the kingdom right now in the sense that he lives in us and he will be the culmination of the kingdom at some future date when we live with him. And that future date in Bible prophecy, well, that's called the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on the kingdom of heaven. Ron, before we go, can you tell us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray? 
Well, Brian, at the beginning of this teaching series on the Lord's Prayer, I mentioned that prayer is a declaration of our dependence on God. And in my next message, I'll go to the first phrase in the Lord's Prayer in which Jesus tells us to ask our Father in heaven, even for the most basic of needs, our daily bread. Uh, We start out in this prayer with your kingdom come, your will be done. And now quite suddenly, uh, we're dropped into the uh, mundane aspects of the world, asking for our next meal. In this uh, age of abundance, how are we supposed to pray this prayer? Uh, How are we supposed to enter into it? There's lots here, Brian, uh, more than meets the eye. And that's where I'm headed next time, right here on Something Good Radio. The message is called The Jesus Way to Pray for Provision, and it comes your way tomorrow. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.